Um, so going back to my firing example with the weapon, it's like that's where you go back and you aim a little more clearly and then you fire again and then you aim again and then you fire again. And the goal is obviously that you're getting closer and closer to your target as your aiming gets better. Um, and because it is important to do that as well along the way. Welcome to the Uncommon Freedom Show. Our purpose is to equip and inspire you to reach your potential, maximize your impact, and live a great life while you make the world a better place. I'm Kevin. And I'm Becca. We're your hosts. And in this fifth episode of our LaunchWell series, we're here with a challenge. Start before you're ready. All right, Beck, happy Valentine's Day. Thanks, babe. All right, my question for you and for the audience is, do you prefer an overpriced Hallmark card or a handwritten note? Oh, good question. Okay, so I am actually a words of affirmation person. Not that I need to be propped up, but I just appreciate words uh, that are authentic. So I actually would prefer a handwritten letter. Awesome. And that's Did you actually know that already a love language. Me? No, I think there's a stigma that if you don't get a card that you're not, that it's, you know, unkind. That you forgot. That's probably what I would think is, oh, I forgot to buy a card. I'll just write her a, a note. I, for me, and I, I, you know, finances are not an issue for us anymore, but have you seen what these greeting cards cost these days? Yeah, it's crazy. $12 for some of these is cards. Is that what you spend? Uh, I think the one I got you was like eight or 10 But I was, as I was looking at some of them, $12 for a greeting card. I remember when they were, you know, 99 cents and expect an expensive one was $3. Absolutely Mm -hmm. crazy. So I say it's time to revolt against uh, American greetings and uh, just. Well, they're probably just going with cost of inflation on all the, all the goods and services out there, babe. But Valentine's Day is a holiday definitely designed for the card companies. It is ridiculous. It is ridiculous. Well, thank you for the really nice expensive card and that you also got me something besides a card because it was available. Beautiful. All right. So today we are going to talk about starting before you're ready. This is an awesome topic. And a couple of things for everyone to think about is that perfectionism has skyrocketed since the 1980s, especially in young people. And you can find more info about this from the American Psychological Association. Don't take too much of what they say uh, as gospel. I will not be doing that, but thank you for the suggestion. So according to them, raw data suggests that social media use pressures young adults to perfect themselves in comparison to others, which makes them dissatisfied with their bodies to increase social isolation. This has not been tested and further research is needed to confirm this, said the researcher Curran. The drive to earn money, pressure to get a good education, and setting lofty career goals are other areas in which today's young people exhibit perfectionism. That's crazy. And then toxic perfectionism is rooted in the comparison trap. And boy, do we see that in even our own lives. I mean, I can tell you as a mom, um, you know, I like to joke that I'm more of an, you know, an Amazon mom than a Pinterest mom. In other words, when I see birthday parties put together and they have all of the frills and the coordination. And then our kids are getting a store-bought cake, uh, rarely have balloons, sometimes forget the candles, but we always do something fun and it's about a fun activity, but rarely do I have all of the aesthetics to go with it. 
And um, I can tell you as a young mom with young kids at home, like there used to be so much comparison. Now at this age, I'm at the, I don't give a crap. <laughs> My give a damn is broken. Um, and also it's interesting that you and I are discussing this topic because we are two firstborn relatively type A people. You are definitely on the perfectionistic side of things. Um, so much so that your clothes are almost the same inches apart in your closet. Ridiculous people, but it, it's a very, it, right? very tidy. You put your process. finger between each of the, the hangers. <laughs> Don't explain it. No one it else automatically needs to do it. Creates or you just spacing. move them around freely with your hands so that it looks messy at all times. <laughs> I like just to batch my across. tidiness. Okay. Well, you can do my closet the next time. So the closet's too big, huh? Yeah. True that. It is, a, it is a good portion. Yours is a little bit smaller, easier to work with. Um, but think about that toxic perfectionism. Isn't that sad that we've taken it that far? And, you know, as adults, if we're struggling with this, I just think about what our kids are coming up against when it comes to looking at people. I just watch our boys, you know, they love to watch basketball videos and they see these athletes do these phenomenal things uh, with the basketball or the football or whatever. But you realize that's such a small portion of the population that has the skills, the gifting, um, the discipline, the training to, you know, do a triple backflip, you know, over the shoulder dunk. Um, and it's fun to watch, but you also wonder, does this take away their um, desire to, you know, learn how to just dunk a basketball in a regular way because they think to themselves, I'll never be as good as that. Things look unattainable. Yeah. I think in some ways they do. And maybe they would say, no, I don't care. It's just fun to watch the video, but it's interesting to kind of think about how that might be affecting us and our children. So, you know, when we live in, um, comparative reality, we undercut our own value. And one of the things I think as I'm aging and parenting these very different kids and being married to the incredible you, it's, it's like, what does God say about me and who God says I am is what matters. Not just what society says, not even what I say about myself sometimes, which is not always complimentary, but what does God say about me? And it really helps kind of curb some of these, I think, you know, negative thinking. I think one of the challenges in today's world is that we're always seeing the highlight reels of people. Oh, this is sure. one of the absolute negative effects of yeah. social media. We actually talked about this last week because a week ago we were at our first time ever at the Phoenix Waste Management Open. Yes. And uh, neither one of us, I enjoy playing golf. You do not. Um, I don't really enjoy watching golf because I'd rather, if I'm going to watch it, I'd rather be playing. And none I of the kids- I most assuredly do not enjoy watching golf. Yeah. Uh, but it was my up. first time going to a professional tournament and it was interesting uh, to, to watch them play. And our observation was that, it, certainly with me and my friend Dan, who's also a golfer there, was, wow, when you're actually seeing them play an entire hole- yeah. They're not as good as you think. I mean, they're incredible. Don't get me wrong. They're way better than me. But as we were watching these groups of three come through whatever hole we were on, um, I think we watched five groups come through and only one of the threesomes, all, all of them had their drive on the fairway. Right. Um, on every other group, at least one, if not two of them was hitting off the fairway from the sand. And the other thing was um, most of them actually were not landing their second shot, which would be uh, green in regulation. Right. In regulation. And so it was just amazing because when you saw them, you're like, wow, now I don't feel bad for being such a bad golfer because you can see how they struggle. But normally when you're watching golf on TV, all you see is the leaderboard and you're seeing the highlight the of everything. Exactly. So no, actually kind of my observation being someone who does not like or enjoy or is good at golf that, hey, I kind of look like that when I'm out there putting around. <laughs> so it was kind of interesting even as a non-golfer to say like, it looks like some of the shots I take where it's close, but not quite. And um, 
you know, I could never hit it that far down the fairway, but it was just fun to kind of watch that end of a game. I did also make some great bank at that because thanks to Dan's betting game. Yes. I picked a winner like four times in a row or something. Absolutely. Better lucky than good. Oh, okay. Um, Okay. So what we really want to talk about is you'll never be perfect. Your situation will seldom seem quote unquote right, but it doesn't matter. Start before you're ready. And this podcast is a great example of that, right? Absolutely. Yeah. You know, we have a hesitation or we have a tendency to wait until we're hundred percent ready. It's this get ready to get ready to get ready concept. And uh, I've talked about this, but my end of year reflection worksheet for the year 2021, one of the things, the top of my list that things I needed to complete uh, or get done to complete 2021 was I needed to launch this podcast. It's something that had been on my mind. I literally had purchased the equipment almost 10 months prior, I think. I had no pr- set up- No procrastination in there at all. <laughs> exactly. Had had uh, a friend uh, paid someone to set it up for me six months before I finally did it. Thank you, Jeff. And woke up on New Year's Eve and realized, dang it, I don't feel ready. I didn't have a good outline ready, but I was like, I'm just going to get this done. And by getting into motion, uh, it forced me, it just made it that much easier. It's that first step that is the hardest for so many people. It's like your first time getting off the ski lift. It's absolutely intimidating. (laughs) You know what that's like. Way to bring that one in for me as we get ready to go on our next ski trip. And I have expressed that my most um, my largest concern about skiing is exiting the ski lift. Hey, that is a natural. I'm about fear. a 50, 50 chance. I'm going to go down one way, shape or form. And it's definitely an awkward, uh, we'll be what's sure it called disembarkment good, or, um, awkward landing. I don't know. It and it's called? not even that complicated. Literally you put your skis down and you just let it happen. But for me, I overthink it often and it's a pretty wobbly, hilarious. I've definitely ducked over or ducked under a few chairlifts in my time. Absolutely. Um, and this actually made me think of John Maxwell. I think he's the one. Yes, we love John Maxwell. And if you want to come see him live in person, come join us March 7th. Nope, March 9th through 11th in Scottsdale. Um, reach out. There's still some tickets available and we are so excited about our Level Up event. So, um, but I think he's the one that talks about ready, aim, fire. And so he talks about it from the concept of if you were getting ready to shoot something, you know, some people, they go ready, aim, 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 aim. That's the getting ready to get ready. And so it takes them forever to pull the trigger. Some people don't aim at all. They go ready, aim, fire. And then they just realize that they're shooting all over the place with nothing in mind. And so certainly we're looking at the approach of, you know, you need to pull the trigger on things, but take a little bit of an aim along the way. Like you knew where you were going with the podcast. You had... Um, a general idea. You had the equipment purchased. And so you had already done the aiming. It was time to pull the trigger. Absolutely. The other, um, did you want to say anything else about that? I'm nope. just on a roll here. The other uh, thing I was thinking about that we started before we were probably ready was dating our children all those years ago. You know, we started indiv- deciding to individually date our kids when our oldest was about 10. Is that I don't right? Know. He was younger than that. Or, um, yeah. I'm pretty bad with numbers and remembering. We've actually been, he was probably about five or six when we first started doing it. Okay. So we were definitely not ready. And we didn't have the schedule we have today where we now have it calendared out and we, you know, trade off each kid with each parent. And then we eventually added in the double debt. Remember, because we have teenagers now and they don't want to date their parents, understandably. So we call it the deep emotional bonding time debt. Um, And we do that once a quarter with both parents and one of our kids but we didn't have any of that figured out. We just said, Hey, let's start taking our kids out either one-on-one or together and have some quality time so that they get an investment, you know, alongside being in a family that's really busy and can be really distracting at home. So, yeah. 
And there's a saying that says, uh, no plan survives first contact. And as a Marine, we talked about this uh, as a law enforcement officer. We would also talk about, you know, if you had a plan to, um, you know, to breach a house or something like that, you've got your plan, but it never goes exactly as planned. And the mistake we make is trying to have a perfect plan. And then we get all upset when it doesn't go as well. Whereas if you can come up with that 80% solution and launch it and know that, hey, you're going to have to adjust along the way. I think it's Darren Hardy that talks about the fact that he's missed out on more opportunities by not taking action than he has by taking action, but taking the wrong action. Hmm. And that's a great reminder for us that, and, and I'm going to talk about this in a second, but it's easier to adjust something that's moving. Ooh, and that's a good. practical uh, example of this is if you've ever had to push a car or a vehicle that is broken down. And if you try to turn the wheels while it's stationary, it's very difficult to do. But if you can get just a little bit of motion going, then it's easy to turn the wheels and it's much easier to steer it. So the the lesson there for us is it's a lot easier to steer once you're in motion versus trying to get yourself pointed in the perfect direction before you even start. So just make the decision, get going, and then adjust as you go. Uh, this is an extreme example here, but I love this quote. George S. Patton says, a good plan violently executed now is better than a perfect plan executed next week. Now, not every plan has to be violently executed unless you are in the military, but the point is do it now. Waiting to put together, the like for example, the perfect financial plan, Right. right? No, just start investing $5 a day now instead of always planning on how you're going to invest $100 a day in the future. Starting now allows you to make mistakes and adjust. Just like space shuttles headed to the moon are off course most of the journey. We've learned that. Uh, They make it to the moon by making small adjustments in flight. So once again, you think about an incredible feat like going from the earth to the moon. You know, uh, Thousands, if not millions of miles, I don't even know how far away it is. But for the vast majority of human existence, that was an unimaginable accomplishment. It really is something that was just something that people fantasize about, but we're able to do it. But the the shuttles are off course most of the way, and it's those slight adjustments that they make in flight that allow them to get there. It's kind of like the the idea for us within business and I think in our family, it's that we iterate and adjust along the way. In other words, we make those small adjustments. We do a lot of feedback loops in our life. That's why we do our quarterly retreats. That's why we look at our business metrics and our family goals on a regular basis or at least on a quarterly basis um, and also yearly because it's really hard to adjust if you wait too long. Um, So going back to my firing example with the weapon, it's like, that's where you go back and you aim a little more clearly and then you fire again and then you aim again and then you fire again. And the goal is obviously that you're getting closer and closer to your target as your aiming gets better. Um, And because it is important to do that as well along the way. Yeah. And we were talking about this yesterday in reference to parenting, but a great filter to run things through for people is to think about what are the potential consequences of this decision. And many times the consequences of not doing something are much greater than the consequences of starting before we're ready and then having to adjust along the way. You know, we were talking about social media with our kids and just how I don't even think we yet understand how bad and how detrimental it is going to be for 
the current generation and the upcoming generation and probably the people that are in their 20s. Uh, and we we're like, man, are we too restrictive? And we, we talked about the fact that maybe we are, but we're more likely to regret being too permissive with it yeah. than we are to be too restrictive with it. And so when you think about doing something, where are the likely regrets? You know, just kind of forecast down the road and like, what's the worst case scenario? And many times, you know, the worst case scenario really isn't that bad. Uh, I also love, and I, I could not find the reference for this, but I've heard it. And I believe it was Darren Hardy, actually, that talked about this, but they talked about fear. And fear is probably one of the most common things that keeps people from doing something. And they did some research with people who were jumping out of an airplane, something that's on my list. I haven't done it yet, but I know I'm going to get quite the nervous, you know, uh, butterflies in the stomach. And I love adrenaline as well, but like, I know that that, especially that first time is going to be crazy, but they, That's they, not on my list. they attached monitoring equipment uh, to track the heart rates of people. And what they saw was that the, they were incredibly fearful prior to jumping. And basically the second that they stepped out the door, their heart rates, heart rates calmed down. And the lesson there was so many times, even if it's having a difficult conversation with a boss or a spouse or your kids, mm -hmm. like most of the time it's that anticipation that's the worst, worst thing. But once you get going, you actually, you know, you step away from it. You're like, why was I so nervous about that? Right. Not that it always goes well, but just really to encourage you, it's that fear that keeps us from going, but just make it happen, get into action, and that will make all the difference in the world. And then- uh, one of the big reasons that people are afraid to get started is thinking about, you know, what could go wrong. And so, you know, Dave Ramsey talks about, you know, having an emergency fund is like having Murphy's insurance, Murphy's law being, if it can go wrong, it will. So some things that you can do to have Murphy insurance are be healthy, uh, to have a good relationship with your spouse and kids, to have a strong community and have an emergency fund and sound financial habits. So many times, we have seen that uh, that lack of margin is what causes things to fail for people. Or it also, once people start something, it's what causes them to retreat back to that safety zone. And having that Murphy insurance for those different categories of your life can make all the difference in the world and give you that extra confidence you need to just go ahead and do it. That's so good. Okay, another thing that we believe has to... Uh, fit into this category is don't be afraid to quit if it's broke. And it's interesting, you know, quitting is a word that I don't love to have in my vocabulary. Um, being an athlete before and just a type A personality, uh, responsibility is one of my top five strength finders. In other words, even when I don't want to do something, even when I might not need to do something, it's very hard for me not to fulfill an obligation that I've committed to. But one of the things I'm giving myself more permission for as I get older is to quit things. And successful people know what to quit and when to quit it. Why people hold on to investments that are in the red, hoping they'll end up getting back to even. That is something that um, I want to credit Teresa, our amazing assistant and nanny. She was talking to me on a different uh, Zoom the other day about something called sunk cost. And so many times people get into a situation where they have sunk cost, where they've invested time, maybe they've invested training, maybe they've invested emotionally into something, whether it's a relationship, a job, um, or you know something that they've put money into. Maybe it's a, a vehicle, maybe it's a house. And it's pushing through the feeling of wanting to continue or finish something just because you've started or invested into it. 
And there are times we should finish what we start. A lot of us are good starters and not good finishers, but there are times that we need to give ourselves the permission to quit. I have done this so much more often in my um, professional development life where there's thing, there's times someone would recommend a book um, and I would start the book and I would say, you know what, this author is not my jam. I'm not getting a lot out of it. It doesn't really fit the context. Um, and I have three other books that I'd rather get into that I believe are more my style. So I might quit reading, quit listening to a podcast, quit watching a show. Um, and so it's really good for us as we talk about, you know, starting before we're ready to also realize how do we create capacity to start things is sometimes we just need to quit. Absolutely. Any thoughts Absolutely on that? Good. No, I just, a practical example of that is, uh, you know, anytime you're trying to build some new community, really understand what is the purpose of that community. Mm. Um, you know, when we first moved to Arizona, it took us a while to find the church that we were going to plug into. And then we wanted to get connected, but plug into small groups and, you know, small groups are tough. Uh, you've got to find the right mix and they can be really awkward. And this isn't an indictment. They're amazing when they're Absolutely. the right fit. When they're, they're the right awkward. fit, they're incredible. And when they're not, um, it's tough. And so, and I remember the first one we went to is like, they're just, the chemistry wasn't there. And we could have been dogmatic about it and said, nope, we're just keep going. Right. And it was one of these things where like, you know what, this, these aren't our people. And once again, it's not a criticism. It's just like the mix wasn't what we knew we needed. And we gave it a fair shake, which we I think is part of it. Did. We didn't quit on the first try. Right. Yeah. But then we got to the point where, okay, it's, this isn't for us and we gave ourselves permission. So having that clearly defined mission of what's the purpose of this, what's the right. end state that I'm looking for will help you know if it does make sense for you to quit. Yeah. And I mean, I think of another example, when we first moved here, I was doing a lot of different Bible studies because we were kind of figuring out our rhythm with church. And I was in a Bible study where, um, you know, I, I would learn some things when I would go, but I also, every time I walked in there, my spirit was not settled. I didn't fit with the other women for some reason. It was like square peg and a round hole. Um, I was, you know, entrepreneurial. We owned a business. I wanted to have affect in the world and, um, you know, do some things outside of motherhood, even though I'm very, very proud of and grateful for being a mom. And that is my number one priority outside of you and Jesus. But I remember going to that Bible study and just each time I would go, I just struggled. Like I can't fit. They don't think the same way I do. And sometimes we need to be a light in the darkness. And other times it was like, why am I going? My soul is not filled here and walking away and finding communities where I did fit so much more soul filling. And so you know, again, when we think about starting things, um, it's also good to make sure we're wrapping up the things that are not serving us well. Awesome. Okay. So let's review what we kind of covered today. Start now. Don't wait for the perfect plan. We would love to know what you are going to start that you've been putting off and how you're going to start messy, even if it's not perfect. Um, and then remember, this is a saying that's been around so long, but it's so true. Comparison is the thief of joy. And that can happen in parenting and in marriage and in our physical looks or how we run our household or our schedules. And so listen, run your race. That's been one of the biggest things God has told me in this last season of time is run my race with endurance and joy. Um, it's easier to adjust when you're in motion. That was such a great thing. So once you get going, you can, you can iterate and change. You can do the feedback loops, but just get going. Um, the next thing is having margin in other areas of your life softens the impact of failure, quote unquote failure. What do you want to say about this one real quick? I mean, that was kind of what you were talking about with being Murphy proof, right? Yeah. Just that if you've got some margin and you make a mistake, for example, uh, if you don't put all of your, you know, withdraw all of your retirement to put into a new business venture, 
And if the business venture doesn't work out, you still have something left versus putting all of your eggs in one basket. Yep. And that also goes to relational equity with people. And so I think, you know, that's where you can go a mile wide and an inch deep with people. And then you come up against something hard and you may not have the people in your life. So being able to prune out the ones that are not, you know, still running with you, they don't have the same heart and mindset. And then going deep with people means you're going to have people in your corner who can call you out and raise you up and help come alongside you. The way I heard it said by Christine Kane recently is when God is calling you up and out, it's time to cut ties from people who are pulling you down and in. Um, and then I think this is again, another John Maxwell quote. Uh, so sometimes you win and sometimes you learn what a perspective that when we don't always succeed, we can still fail forward. And that's really been the definition of how we've come where we are. I mean, we started young, we started broke. We didn't know a lot of things. Now we know a little bit more. Our finances have been blessed and um, we're learning along the way and we're winning more because we're just willing, we're willing to fail. Some people are not willing to fail. Thanks for listening to the Uncommon Freedom Show. We believe freedom isn't man's invention. It was created by God. You can connect with us at beckandkev.com for more resources to learn biblical principles, essential disciplines, and winning habits that help once average people lead the life they want instead of accepting the life they were given. You can connect with us at beckandkev.com for more resources to learn biblical principles. Principles. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the Uncommon Freedom Show. We believe freedom isn't man's invention. It was created by God. You can connect with us at beckandkev.com for more resources. <laughs> All right. You can get some resources and you can learn some principles. All right. Anytime you will want. Another take. Go ahead. Thanks for listening to the Uncommon Freedom Show. <laughs> uh, here we go. All right. It never I'm works. Stop.